Welcome to The Vital Point. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. If you are interested in transformational work, such as plant medicine, psychedelics, breath work, meditation, somatic practices, cold exposure, yoga, and more, then my friends, you are in the right place. Welcome to The Vital Point, the podcast that is for practitioners as well as people new to transformational work looking curiously for more information and guidance. So if you are new to this type of work, uh, welcome. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I am an integration coach and breathwork facilitator. I've also been meditating for about 20 years and um, do some mindfulness instruction as well. So this podcast um, brings you leaders in the fields of transformational work, whether that's um, psychedelics and plant medicine work, breath work, or a myriad of other types of modalities. And my goal with this podcast is to not only introduce you to new modalities and practices, but help spark your curiosity to go out and actually practice them. So I hope you enjoy today's episode of the show. Hey everyone, so on this episode of the podcast, I wanted to try something different for a change. You know, every episode has focused on different transformational practices, um, specific modalities, right? Like people that are masters and practitioners of different things from breath work to psychedelic uh, facilitation to ice baths, all different kinds of things. But in this episode, I wanted to talk about one of the things that we work with when we're doing transformational work, and that specifically is working with grief. Um, so, you know, usually I would say when we come to transformational work, there's something that we're trying to transform, right? We're either trying to heal and improve something or like open up into something like working on our creativity or connecting with our life's purpose. And grief is one of those things that is not really discussed or dealt well in Western culture. It's also something that we all process a little bit differently. And it's something that my own practices, meditation, uh, breath work, mindset work and resiliency, and definitely in different plant medicine ceremonies, uh, has come up and I've been able to work with, process, see it in a different way. And so for this episode, like I was actually feeling somewhat triggered by some grief coming up. And instead of just sitting with it, meditating and journaling about it, which is what I would usually do, I decided to use my platform here with this podcast to talk about it a little bit. So I hope you get some value and can connect with uh, the thoughts that I'm sharing. Um, and I would love to hear from you how you look at grief. Um, if you've like really found some success with processing it, like what did you do to help with that? Um, or just, you know, reach out and connect and let me know that, you know, you enjoyed the episode and you would like to hear more episodes like this because I definitely tried something different this time. So anyway, friends, I hope you enjoy this episode of the Vital Point podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Vital Point podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I'm just going to take a moment and open the space here. Light a little Palo Santo. We are on IG Live, so just giving people a minute to join. just opening the space. So I wanted to do something a little bit different today. Um, I was already planning on doing a solo episode and I had made a post earlier this week about, um, you know, sharing some more of my story, some more of my own background, how I got here to um, be in this place. And that was my plan. So there wasn't a guest that I had planned for today's episode, but yesterday something happened and, um, 
it kind of kicked up some emotions. It kicked up some grief, actually. And I started to give it some space, give it some room, you know, sitting with how I was feeling. And then this morning I got up and I did some journaling and I just thought, you know, I have this podcast and what if I talked about grief on it and how I've worked with grief, what's worked for me working with grief. And I still feel like it fits within the format of the show because this podcast is about transformational practices and, you know, working with these different modalities. We've talked about breath work. We've talked about meditation. We've talked about psychedelics and cold exposure, all kinds of different transformational practices. But I guess there's a question to be asked, which is why are we doing these transformational practices? And I think for most people, it comes down to one of two general categories. Uh, one is we are trying to connect to something within ourselves. Um, you know, you might call that an inner intelligence, an inner healer, a soul, or true self, something like that. And the other one is, is that there's something going on in our life that we're not happy with, that we're not satisfied with some sort of emotional content. And so we come to transformational practices looking for healing, maybe looking for closure, you know, in the case of uh, grief. And so there's a lot of different ways that you can work with grief and a lot of different practices that you can use to, you know, help you process what's happening. And so I'd like to share a little bit about my experience and what I've been going through, and then we'll do a couple of different practices um, that have really helped me uh, work, work through grief. So what is grief just to start out with, you know, grief is a response to a loss. It's how we feel when we lose someone that we care about, that we love. And so in a way, grief is the love that remains when that person is gone from our lives physically. Um, and you know, it's something that we all experience. We're all going to lose people and things in our life that we don't want to. Um, we're all going to experience that feeling at some point, probably multiple times, but we all deal with it differently. And I think one reason for that is that within our Western culture, we don't really talk about death. We don't really acknowledge it. In fact, we don't really acknowledge most of our challenging or what, you know, you could label as negative feelings. But death is a big one, you know, um, a lot of people deny it. A lot of people run from it. A lot of people cling to, um, the memories that they have of people and they don't allow that grief to process, to move through them. And the thing is, is that we, if we avoid that feeling, it's only going to come out in different ways. It's going to manifest itself in physical symptoms or dis-ease. Uh, we're going to possibly, you know, get triggered by things that, you know, remind us of death or that particular person that we haven't really finished processing. There can definitely be transference. And I've seen that, you know, for instance, um, you know, my, my ex-wife, um, really hadn't processed a lot of her parents 
death. And so whenever there was death that came up, um, I remember once my mom was in the hospital and she couldn't even be in the same room with her. You know, she would just fall apart. And sometimes that would happen even like talking about dying or seeing it on, um, you know, in a movie or television. So the things that we don't deal with end up coming out in different ways. But, you know, grief is evidence that we've loved. And so I actually think that it's not a bad thing. It's something that we can learn to sit with and learn to lean into and even appreciate. Because even though somebody might be gone from our physical, you know, three-dimensional realm, one perspective is that that's the natural order that the clinging that we have to that person in their physical form um, is just not really correct. You know, from a Buddhist perspective, that's where samsara comes from. That's where suffering comes from. It's not that we're, you know, that we shouldn't experience something. It's that we're holding on to it. We're not letting it go. And the natural order of things is that things come up and then we let them go. You know, if you think about the ocean, like this wave behind me, if you think about our breath, life is a continuous cycle of holding and letting go, holding and letting go. And the trouble comes when we're unwilling or unable to let go. And that's just the natural way. You know, a lot of people think that grief is something that should be worked through in our own time and in our own way, but also we need help with processing grief. You know, grief is something that we work through together. It's not something that we have to suffer in silence. Sometimes some of the most healing things for me around death have been sitting and talking with my family or friends, you know, remembering good times, fond memories, remembering how that person touched our heart. And in that way, those memories, those things, the, those, the, the ways that that person enriched your life will always be there. You know, they become a part of you. And we don't have to cling to them. We can just feel them. We can sit with them. And then we can let it go. And, you know, I just think that it's a much better idea to be open to the full spectrum of life, to the bitter and the sweet, to the ups and the downs, than to try to inoculate, like incubate ourselves from feeling, you know, to insulate, that was the word I was looking for, insulate ourselves from, you know, the possibility of feeling grief, feeling pain, feeling loss, because Again, that grief is the evidence that we've loved. You know, when, we're, when a person is there, we can love them. We can say, I love you. I appreciate you. But then when they're gone, grief is that feeling that remains. And so would you rather not have experienced that at all? No, you know, grief is something that enriches life. You know, and, and, and I've gone through like a lot of different feelings about this, you know, like 
my grandparents have, you know, been passed on for quite a few years. And when I was a kid, you know, I was five, I went to, we went and lived in New York and we spent a lot of time on my grandfather's farm. And, you know, I was a five-year-old. I went out and I played and I played with the animals. I played in the fields. I played in the barn. Um, I didn't spend a whole lot of time, like actually physically with my grandfather. And I'm lucky and grateful that as a young man, you know, as somebody, I think it was 22 or 23, um, that I got to go back out there and, and live with him again and experience his love and have a relationship with him in a completely different way. You know, this way that I didn't appreciate or understand when I was a kid. And I used to, sometimes I used to think like, man, like, I wish I could go back to that five-year-old and tell him like, Hey, I know you want to play, but spend some time with this man because he's special and he's not going to be there forever. But that's, you know, again, that's clinging. That's holding on to something that's not accepting life for how it is. That's sitting there wishing that it was different. And doing that is human. You know, the, they say that grief has five stages, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And it's really okay to, to go through all those. I think for me, it's been a process. And my meditation practice, my practice with Buddhism, my breath work have been things that have helped me really sit with those human parts and not beat myself up too much and also not turn away from them. So you know, what sparked this off was, um, I ran into an, one of my used to be my best friend, uh, his ex, uh, yesterday. And it really took me by surprise because, you know, here's this person, this friend that I haven't talked to in now, like, you know, I haven't even talked to them in a couple of years, um, our relationship kind of fell apart. And so when I saw their ex, like all these emotions came up and, um, something that, you know, also comes up around this surfaced, which is, you know, shame and berating myself because this is not a person that had died. And this is not somebody that I chose to walk away from. They chose to end the friendship and there was nothing that I could do or say or apologize. I even apologized for things that I wasn't like, I didn't really think that were my fault, but I just wanted to apologize to try to fix it. You know, like it was, the friendship was worth more to me to say, like, I was sorry, even though I didn't really think I was wrong than to like be stubborn and lose the friendship. Now, if that isn't bargaining, I don't know what it is. So, you know, it's interesting because like some of that shame or that, those, those, like that inner critic was like, the story that I have is that like, I've had more trouble getting over this friendship than getting over my marriage. You know, like, I feel like I've grieved for that friendship more than I have for my marriage of, you know, I mean, I got, I, I met my ex-wife in 2005. We got married in 2008 and I left at the end of 2018. So quite a long stretch, right? 
And this friendship, this best friend of mine, like in a lot of ways, it's been a lot harder to actually get over. And, you know, I can rationalize that to a certain extent. I can say, well, I knew that my marriage was toxic. I knew that I was ready to leave several years before I actually got the courage to do so. And so it was me making that choice. It was me deciding to walk away. Whereas with this friendship, it was completely opposite. You know, he was the one that said, I, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. And so there was like, it wasn't just a, a, like a, a physical death. There was also this element of abandonment, of rejection. And it was even more emotionally heavy for me because he really was my best friend. Um, and six months, eight months before we had a falling out, he was really there for me when I left my wife. You know, I, I, I left. I really didn't feel secure. Um, my, my ex-wife was threatening the security of my job. She was telling lies to my family about my behavior. And so I really didn't feel safe or secure at all. And this friend of mine opened his doors to me, took me in with no questions asked. And this is when I was working full time, you know, working like 50 hours a week and going to school full time. And I, there's at least a narrative that like, if he hadn't done that, something would have fallen apart. And because he was there, he helped me and allowed me to like, not drop the ball. You know, I didn't miss any work. I didn't miss any school. I think I still got an A or a B in the class that I was taking at the time. And that was because somebody was there to support me. And so to go from that, to, to go from feeling so grateful and so appreciative of this friendship to it falling apart so quickly, you know, after years and years of, of friendship, it really stung, you know, there was all these added layers, um, you know, not to mention that, you know, he really was there for me during my marriage. Like this was the person that I would go and vent to that. I would go and blow off steam that I would go and like spend time with him getting away from this, you know, situation with my ex-wife. Um, I was, during my marriage, I was completely sober for seven years. And when I closed that chapter, you know, our friendship took on this other dimension. You know, we used to go and drink beers together. Uh, he took me to Detroit for the first time to go to the movement techno music festival, which is one of my favorite places on earth. And, um, you know, he introduced me again to plant medicine uh to mushrooms and so i have so much gratitude and so much appreciation for that friendship and at the same time i have to let it go and the funny thing about grief is like when i start to feel down when i start to feel that grief i just remember the good times you know, I just remember how I appreciate him and I don't think about the toxicity. I don't tend to focus on the part of me that knew that, you know, I was moving on that. I didn't want to spend three or four days a week in a bar. Um, and that we were moving away from each other. And that that's the natural process that it's okay. You know, like things don't always have to last forever. That's not the natural order. So that's definitely like one thing that's helped, you know, is, is my Buddhist practice is really 
meditating on impermanence. Impermanence is the natural way. We suffer when we're not accepting that, when we're holding on to things, when we're clinging to them rather than letting them go. And, you know, something that came up as I was journaling was um, recently transitioned Zen Buddhist master Thich Nhat Hanh. And Thich Nhat Hanh is someone that I am very, very grateful for. Um, he was one of the first Buddhist teachers that I connected with. And he has this very famous um, teaching that a cloud doesn't die. You know, when we see a cloud, we're constantly seeing it morphing, we're constantly seeing it change. And we might see it change into rain. We might see it disappear. And it's not that that cloud is gone. It's just changed forms. There never really was a cloud there to begin with. And so meditating on impermanence is such a central practice to Buddhism. And it's something that's helped me deal with grief of death, you know, because it's the natural way. Meditating on impermanence is one of the preliminary practices of Buddhism, along with thinking about karma and the preciousness of human life. And there are tons of different Buddhist practices and books, especially within the Tibetan tradition that have meditations on impermanence. And it's taught that if you meditate on impermanence on a regular basis, that when you experience that impermanence, it won't be such a shock. You know, when somebody that you care about dies, it won't be such a shock because it'll be easier to be in the natural order of things and not cling and let it go. And when I was in Tibet for a year, I spent a lot of time meditating on death. You know, I would do these meditations where they would talk about going to like a, like a graveyard and just sitting and thinking about the reality and the truth that everyone that you have ever known or will ever know will die someday, including yourself. And the idea is not to be morbid. The idea is to treasure the time that you have together. And one of my favorite teachings from Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, that I was fortunate enough to see him teach in person, he was talking about um, the love of our parents. That even though we might feel sad, which is natural and completely okay, when our parents are no longer with us, that they're really not gone. They're really not separate from ourselves. And that all we have to do is look at our hands to see them within us. You know, just being around somebody, just being in their presence, spending time with them, especially somebody that you love and that you've loved for a long period of time, it it's changing you on a moment to moment basis. You know, those experiences and those memories are a part of you. And so you can use those examples, you know, of meditating on the cloud or looking at your hands 
as a way to just to sit with those feelings, to acknowledge that love. And to realize that, you know, death and separation on a certain level, on a relative level, is just an illusion. And then, you know, on another level, on a human level, our feelings and our emotions are, are very real and deserve space. So, yeah, you know, with, with this particular friendship, you know, I, I definitely have gone through a lot of steps. Um, you know, at first there was definitely denial. I was like, well, this friendship's not over. I can, I can, you know, we'll, we'll work it out. You know, we've been friends for so long. And then after like time after time trying to mend whatever was happening, and I didn't even really know like where this, like what I had done in the beginning, like I didn't even really understand. I got really angry and I was like, man, like here I am. I love this person. I'm trying to care for them and, and, and doing everything that I can to mend this relationship and they're just being an ass and you know, screw that. And I finally, <laughs> I finally, you know, ended up like letting it out, going off on them, just being like, you know, screw that. I don't deserve this. And then that's when that bargaining came in where I was like, you know what? I, I would rather pretend like I'm wrong. I would rather take the blame for something, even though it's not my fault, than lose this person because I care about them. And then what was left, it was a lot of depression. You know, I've, I've gone through these depressive sort of feelings about it, you know, over the last couple of years. I've talked to my therapist about it. I have cried many tears. And when I say that I've gotten to the acceptance, I also want to say that grieving is not a linear process. We're allowed to be messy. We're allowed to have feelings of denial or anger come up again and again until they're no longer there. It's our human birthright to honor what we're feeling and let it move through us. It's the only way that we can complete. But what I came to at the end and what I keep coming back to is the acceptance that as much as I cared about this person, I love them with, with all my heart and they turn their back on me and put me down and treated me like crap and gaslit me. And I don't deserve that at the end of the day. And even if this person was to come back, I would have to go through a forgiveness because why would I want to have somebody around me that doesn't love and appreciate me? You know, I want my friends to treat me the way that I want to be treated. And I'm going to treat them the same way. And so that's where a lot of my acceptance came from, as well as just the reality that there are things in life that I can control and things in life that I can't control. The things that I can control are within me. And the things that I can't control are outside of me. You know, the, the way that somebody else feels, I can't do anything about that at the end of the day. You know, the thing that got me yesterday as I was kind of processing, um, I'm a huge fan of the show, The Wire. And I know that's like a weird tangent to make, but there's a character in The Wire that, you know, he has one of the most wonderful character arcs throughout the show. Um, if you've seen The Wire, I'm talking about Bubbles, I'm talking about Bubs. And during the course of the show, you know, Bubs is a, is a drug addict. He's a heroin addict. He's 
um, you know, gets into trouble through that. And he ends up losing um, a young man that he's kind of mentored that he's fathering and trying to keep from going through the same experience that he is. And he feels guilt and shame and sadness over that. And so for a long time, he drowns those feelings, you know, within um, his drug use. And there's this wonderful scene towards the end of the show where he's taking a sobriety chip for being clean and sober for one year. And he finally starts to talk about it because his sponsor the whole time has been like, Hey, I'm glad that you're sober, but you've got to talk about this to like, let it go. You've got to be willing to look and sit with those feelings. And it takes him a year to even get around to that. But in this scene, as he's speaking, you know, at this NA meeting, he says, there's no shame in holding on to grief as long as you make room for other things too. And I feel that. I feel that right here in my heart. Because grief is not something that goes away. Grief is something that will be with us forever because we love that love that we have is also forever. And there was something that I took a lot of solace in when I was going through my divorce, which was this written passage. And I wish I had it in front of me so I could read the whole thing. But it talked about grief being like waves, waves crashing over, over yourself. Like, you know, you're in the middle of the ocean, you're clinging to this wreckage and the waves are just coming one after another. And in the beginning, it's completely overwhelming. You don't think it's ever going to stop. And every wave just hits you so hard. And it's like, feels like I can't take it. And then over time, the storm dies down. The waves stop coming so frequently. Maybe they stop being so overwhelming. But you know what? Just when you like turn your back, just when you out of nowhere, that wave might come and hit you. And it might not be as debilitating over time, you know, as you process, as you work through it. But it's always going to be there. You know, it's a part of us. And that's completely okay. And I think that embracing those feelings embracing that part of our humanity is an important, an important part of this process. I would love to say that my Buddhist practice has like helped me not feel those feelings. And actually when I first started practicing Buddhism, that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought I could like, because I had this mindfulness, because I had this awareness, because I had this intellectual understanding of these realities that, you know, impermanence is like a real thing, regardless of whether you want to acknowledge it or not, that we're all going to die. All those things, like, because I understood that up here, that it would keep me from feeling it in my heart. But that's just not the way that it works. In fact, what's helped me the most is being with those feelings and really sitting with that pain rather than turning away from it or trying to intellectualize my way out of it. So as far as grief, you know, we talked about um, sort of a, a Buddhist practice. You know, we talked about meditating on the cloud and how the cloud doesn't really die. It just changes forms. And that's where we're at in our reality too. You know, this, this body, this Jonathan Schechter is going to die, but 
the essence, the energy is just changing forms. It's changing into something else. And what a wonderful time to remember this, you know, with, with Thich Nhat Hanh's passing so fresh. I, I was reading something about, you know, he, he said, as hard as it's going to be, because, you know, people love, loved him, love him. They appreciate him. He's been such a wonderful influence in their life that they should, you know, he said, don't, don't build a shrine for me because I'm not there. You know, that shrine that we build, it's not for them. It's for us. It's our way of processing the fact that they're not there in that physical form anymore. So he said, don't, don't build me a shrine because I'm not there. And if you do build me a shrine, make sure you put a sign on it that says, I'm not really in here. And he asked that his, you know, his cremated ashes be scattered in the woods, in the water, in the nature that he walked and touched so beautifully. And that's such a beautiful, beautiful thought to me. So there's the one practice that we talked about. And the second practice that I'd like to share is more of a somatic practice. Because, you know, there's a certain element of that Buddhist practice that might take some time and it might be in your head for a while before you can integrate it into your heart. And that's human. So there is a somatic practice that I'd like to share, you know, in terms of working with grief. So I invite you to just close your eyes and bring your attention to your breath. And take a moment to notice where you feel supported and held. And as you continue to breathe, I invite you to get curious about where you're feeling that grief in your body. If it feels safe and comfortable, you might even bring up an image or a memory of that person that you're grieving. And just get curious about where you feel that in your body. And now just to ground yourself, bring your attention back to that place where you felt safe and supported. And just remember that if your feelings get too overwhelming, if the grief starts to consume you, you always have that place that's neutral and supportive. And you can go back to it as you need. And now bring your attention back to that feeling of grief wherever it is in your body. And I invite you to breathe around it. Don't try to go right into the middle of it. Just use your breath to feel around the edges of it, to get a sense of it. Is there a color? Does it have a shape or a feeling? 
And just use your breath to come right around the edges. And from here, I invite you to just listen to your body and your heart. If you find this challenge, if you find this challenging, maybe just stay on the edges. And remember to go back to that place of support and safety as you need to. Within somatic work, we call this pendulation. Moving from that discomfort to comfort and back to discomfort. And if you're feeling comfortable with breathing around that grief, maybe bring your breath in just a little bit. Again, not going right into the middle of it. But just allowing your breath to hold that feeling. Allowing yourself to feel whatever feelings are there. If there's tears, let them come. If there's anger, let that be here too. Just know that your breath is supporting all of you, all of your feelings, and that all your feelings are valid. And that as challenging as it can feel, as much as we want to run away from those feelings sometimes, sitting with them, honoring them, feeling them is the way to move through them. And you can stay here as long as you need. Knowing that you're held, you have that part of your body that you can go to for support that you have your breath to support you. And then it's okay to be just where you're at. And so if you're following along with this podcast, you may want to pause and just Stay in your process for as long as you need to. But when you're feeling complete, when you feel like that feeling has started to move or it's gone, I invite you to slowly open your eyes and just look around the room and just notice what do you notice? Just letting your eyes go from place to place. Just checking out how the room feels. And just being gentle with yourself. So yeah, that's my story about grief. And that's my podcast for today. I hope you enjoyed my experiment. Um, I will be back next week with, with a guest and <laughs> it's really funny, like doing podcasts with a guest is a lot easier. Uh, it's a lot easier to talk with somebody else than, uh, to talk with yourself, but I wanted to try something out. It seemed like good on, uh, this portal day, you know, February 2nd, 2022, all the two, two, twos. And I really appreciate the love that I'm getting in the, uh, the live right now. So yeah, um, if you enjoyed this, um, you know, please send me a message. Let me know because, you know, this is only episode 19 of the podcast. I'm still trying things out. I'm still figuring, figuring out how it should go. And so your feedback and your comments, just 
just really mean a lot to me in terms of, um, you know, kind of having direction. You know, I know what, what I feel like in my heart. That's why I followed it today. You know, that's why I was like, okay, I'm, this is what I'm going to talk about today. Cause this is what's happening in my life. And this is what's helped me. And my hope is, is that these practices can help you as well. So until uh, next time, my friends, uh, have a wonderful rest of your day and keep practicing. Cheers. Thanks for checking out another episode of the podcast. I hope that you not only enjoyed it, but that you feel inspired to go and do some practice of your own. You know, whether that is something that is a part of your regular routine, like meditation or breath work, or trying something new, like taking an ice bath or starting a new mindset practice. Maybe you feel curious to something that you've been called to try, you know, working with a new teacher, a new facilitator, or maybe even working with uh, psychedelics or plant medicine in whatever way is safe and legal for you where you live. My hope is that you are you know, curious and continue to expand your transformational practice and that this podcast inspires you to continue doing that as always if you can follow or subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on it definitely helps and if you can leave a review even just a few reviews really help to push the podcast up in the algorithm and help make it more visible to more people I'd love it if you shared it with your friends, if you're finding it valuable or interesting. As always, follow me at Blue Magic Alchemy on Instagram, all one word. And if you're interested in learning more about breathwork or you'd like support integrating or preparing for self-development and transformational practice, reach out to me at bluemagicalchemy at gmail.com or at Instagram to set up a discovery call for Instagram coaching. Until next time, thank you, be well, and keep practicing. That's the vital point.